Howdy. What's going on? Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. It is heard live every day, by the way, from noon until 3 on WBT Radio in Charlotte. And if you want exclusive content, invitations to events, the weekly live stream, my daily show prep with links, become a patron. Go to the PeteCallanerShow.com. This podcast is also supported by North Carolina businesses, so please consider supporting them. Try not to skip through their short ad. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to get every episode for free right to your smartphone or tablet. And thanks so much for your support. So Bill Maher, the host of Real Time on HBO, he's got a new podcast also called Club Random with Bill Maher. Um, He's going to be performing stand-up comedy at Ovens Auditorium. That's on Saturday, 8 o'clock. Doors open at 7. Tickets are available at Ticketmaster. And I had the opportunity to chat with him yesterday before uh, he arrives in Charlotte. So first off, uh, Bill, I would like to thank you uh, for having an influence on me, going back to your show, Politically Incorrect. Uh, Oh, cool. Yeah, I was starting in radio. I was a reporter. I later became a host. And the way you work humor, current events, social commentary, ideas and news all in together. And like I've been watching for 20 years. And I just wanted to thank you just to start with. Oh, that's sweet. Thank you. Yeah, maybe butter you up a little bit first. This way the interview goes well, too. Right. (laughs) So I, uh, I and I don't agree with all your politics, but I, I laugh at your jokes. And it's one of the things that I think like I'm worried about is that we're becoming a society that can't laugh at itself. And I wonder if this has been something you've noticed or something that you have an idea about. Oh, very much so. I mean, you hit on the exact point that I would love to talk about, which is that Unlike other years when I've been on the road, the last few years, I get a mixed audience. I mean, politically mixed. And it's fantastic because this is, I think, the secret to fixing America is that we have to sit down with each other. Um, you know, Marjorie Taylor Greene says we need a national divorce. This is kind of dangerous talk that we never used to have. Um, we have to find a way to share a country with people who, yeah, we don't agree with. And it's okay. It's a big country with lots of people that don't think like you. Get over yourself is my message to people. You know, we used to not even talk politics. When I was a kid, my parents, I knew their friends, and, and they, that wasn't like a thing. We, they had an idea that they didn't agree with them all the time on politics, but it wasn't always front and center. We had no idea how much we hated each other, and it worked out much better. And that's what we have to do now. So I think I I love performing now because I can do jokes about Trump and the Republicans and the people who probably voted for him. They still laugh because they know he's a buffoon. And I do lots of stuff about how crazy the left has become. And they love that. And, of course, the liberals have to laugh at that, too, because it's undeniable. So uh, I also want to say I love the podcast that you've been doing, the long-form one-on-one interviews. Thank you. I, I love it. Love random, yeah. Yeah, it's a great format, I think. Um, and I remember you said at, during one of the interviews that people want real. And uh, now I know you don't read the YouTube comments, but I got to ask, because I was watching it and everybody was commenting on this, Richard Dreyfus, were you aware that he was like sliding all the way down into the floor because you never said a single thing as he's almost laying on the floor in front of you. I of course I was aware. I was sitting two inches from him. Right. Uh, yes, I know. You're not the first one, uh, Peter, to ask me this. Um, uh, you know what? It's it was it was what it was. I mean, he's I've I've known Richard for a long time. I, I love him. He's a great guy. He has interesting things to say, 
he was a little loopy that night. <laughs> and I just, did, I just didn't want to call attention to it because, like, I didn't want to make him self-conscious because I didn't think if I said something to him, it wasn't like I thought he could then make himself sit up. And what does it matter? Because right. it's funny, the people who saw it, uh, they, of course, were like, what the hell is going on here? But the people who just listened to it didn't think anything was amiss because he was still articulate. Yeah, no, that's true. I guess if you're just listening, the audio sounds, you would not you would have no idea. Um, it was like the Nixon-Kennedy debate. Right. <laughs> the people who saw it thought Kennedy won, and the people who heard it thought Nixon won. Right. No, yeah, it's true. Uh, now, uh, you're, so the club random name, is that literally the name of, what, your bar at your house? Well, we called it that because, you know, I had this funky little place that anything that didn't really fit in my house, like old furniture, uh, stuff that just was silly and outdated i would put there and it was and somebody once said to me this place is so random and since we were like drinking and there was a pool table there and a bar so yeah let's call it club random okay so it was club random for a long time before it became club random the podcast but it, it fits perfectly and i spent a fortune building the cameras into the wall so that there's nobody else in that room oh. it is the only podcast that does that, that has a very nighttime feel, and there's nobody else in the room. It's just me and somebody else drinking and getting high. And I think people wind up like Richard Dreyfus. People wind up revealing themselves and getting into a kind of a relaxed, this is just me and a guy hanging out state that you don't find anywhere else. Your, I got to say also, your interview with Jordan Peterson um, was amazing. Um, Thanks. He, yeah, absolutely. He was it, like you. You have this way, like when people say things, you it, it's like an idea presents itself to you, and you sort of you latch onto it, and you you twist it over in your head, and you're like, oh, I hadn't really considered that. And you, I could tell you, you spend some time thinking about it. And there was one point where he's describing men and women. Um, and the way they engage in abusive, antisocial behavior. I thought you had the perfect line for the times. Men, like, it, man says, I will kill you. Women says, I will make you kill yourself. And <laughs> oh, yeah, that was brilliant. Right. I, I, I forgot that. Yeah, no, I mean, it's perfect, and it is that social well, media. Yeah, oh, well, thank you. I forgot that. See, I forget everything because I'm so high <laughs> when I'm doing this. I mean, wh when I started Club Random, I had to get permission from HBO and what I told them is, look, first of all, this will take no time away from how much I work on real time, because I work a lot on that show. That is a show that takes a lot of preparation, and I would never be high when I do it. But Club Random is the complete opposite. First of all, there's no agenda. I, I spend zero time in preparation. It's just exactly how you would find me at home on a Wednesday night, talking to someone and smoking a joint. That is exactly what it is. I don't know where it's going. I don't want to know where it's going. I don't know want to know what I'm going to say any more than I would if you just came over my house on a night. I wouldn't have notes or preparation. We would just be talking. And so it's a completely different animal, and I love it. Well, and you, you strike upon, like you did with this line, that, it, I mean, this is, I think, this is a, a truth that we are seeing. I, I've seen uh, mul multiple different ways that you've kind of addressed this and you've talked about it. One of the lines I've heard you say a couple times is uh, people accuse you of having changed and you say, I haven't changed. Uh, you know, it, it seems like the world has changed. The left has changed. And I, I've often wondered, what do people say to you in response when they say that to you, that you've changed and you say, no, I haven't? What's their response? I don't care because they're wrong. <laughs> okay. if, 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 if I have 
You know, I know me very, very well, and I know exactly what I think and what I've always thought and what I've always said, and I haven't changed. It is the left that has changed. Look, I still have the same problems with Republicans that I always did. They're too religious. They're fiscal hypocrites who are always okay with them spending money when they're in office, but it's, it's completely forbidden when somebody else is in office. Um, they're too militaristic. Uh, and now they've thrown their lot in a sociopath named Donald Trump who doesn't believe in democracy, and they think it's okay to have a right-wing coup as a response to losing an election. So I'm, not, I'm, on, I'm, I'm definitely not on their team. But don't tell me that if I notice the ridiculous amounts of identity politics and victim culture and oversensitivity and cancel culture and forced conformity and hostility to free speech and pointless white self-loathing, forcing complex ideas about race and gender on children, that if I notice all this, that that makes me a conservative? No, just because I don't get on the train to crazy town with you doesn't mean I've switched sides. It means there's a new thing out there that's not liberalism. Wokeism is not liberalism. This is a point I make a lot in my act. Of course, we do it in a funny way. But it's a whole different thing. Liberals are one thing. I'm an old school liberal, still have, always was. And they're doing something different. And it's fine to do something different, but just don't tell me that it's the same thing or that somehow I'm different. Dennis Prager said that uh, they're conservatives, they vote their principles, liberals vote their or leftists vote their principles, but liberals are afraid to acknowledge they're closer to conservatives than leftists. What do you think about that? I can't even follow that. (laughs) Wait a second. Conservatives will vote their principles and leftists will vote their principles, but liberals will vote for leftists because they don't want to acknowledge they may be a little bit closer to conservatives on some of these issues. Well, they're sometimes hypocritical about them. Like, take something like like the migrants. You know, yeah. there were all these places that said, "Oh, we are sanctuary cities," and then, of course, they can say that because that's not where the migrants are arriving. And then, when those places where the migrants do arrive bust them to New York and Chicago, suddenly it wasn't so cool. That's the kind of hypocritical stuff that people don't like from liberals. Yeah. Uh, and last uh, point, I just like would like to raise. Thank you for the defense of the two separate Carolinas with Rain Wilson uh, on the podcast as well. He suggested that we merge together. I thought that was absolutely right. insane. Uh, so I appreciate you coming to the defense of the Carolinas on that. Well, I love the Carolinas. <laughs> I've been playing them for forty years. Uh, love, love where I'm going next weekend. Charlotte and Columbia, South Carolina, both been on my tour forever. I totally believe there should be and deserve to be two Carolinas, but there definitely should not be two Dakotas. That's fair. No, that's fair. That's yeah. ridiculous. <laughs> There's more people in California named Dakota than in <laughs> these two states. There you go. Bill Maher, he is coming okay. to Charlotte, performing at Ovens Auditorium Saturday at 8 o'clock. Doors open at 7. Thanks so much for your time. I really Thanks, appreciate man. it and your work. Appreciate, Thank you. appreciate your kindness. Take Bye-bye. care. All right, so there you go. He's at Evans Auditorium this weekend, and Ticketmaster's got the tickets.
All right, now you've heard me talk about them. Old Grouch's Military Surplus. They're expanding with more ways to get your hands on authentic U.S. military surplus items. Go to oldgrouch.com. Check out the links for the online auctions for rare finds and the vintage shop. Unique, really cool items from modern tactical gear to historical collectibles. Tim at Old Grouch's is always finding new stuff. When I started the podcast at the beginning of the pandemic, my first advertiser was Old Grouch's. If you enjoy the show and derive any value from it, I'm hoping that you will consider supporting one of the businesses that make it possible. Lots of gift ideas for that person who loves the military style for fashion or decor. There really is something for everyone at Old Grouch's Military Surplus in beautiful downtown Clyde and online at oldgrouch.com. So what do you think about what Mar, Bill Maher said there uh, in that chat that he believes the secret to fixing the United States is to talk with each other, is to sit down and figure out how to share the country with people that do not agree with us. And, by the way, on the comedy front, like, you know his opinions on Donald Trump. You heard them, right? Obviously, he's got... And I'm like, I'm not going to go argue with the guy uh, over every uh, piece of, uh, uh, you know, political comedy that he's delivering. These are his opinions, whatever. The point is, he's doing his stand-up show. I did find it interesting, though, that he's... He's enjoying the circuit now more than he has in a very long time because he's getting more right of center audience members. And in the past, I guess he always used to get people left of center. And I think it's interesting. Also, he's one of the guys that quit doing the college circuit. He 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 quit going to campuses or camp high. He, he quit going. Because of the cancel culture. And this was, I remember when he announced it, it was like 10 years ago or something. So he does share that concern about us not being able to laugh at ourselves. Um, I've heard other comedians, other comics say the same thing. And here's the thing about comedy too. Seinfeld talks about this, which is it's very personal. What you find funny, somebody else might not find funny. And that's okay. That's totally fine. You don't have to find the same things humorous as I do. There are some comics that other people like. I'm like, eh, they're okay. And some comics, I go in thinking, oh, this is going to be hilarious. And it turns out not to be, at least for me. And that's okay. It's totally fine. Let me get George on here. Hello, George. Welcome to the program. How are you? I'm very well. Thank you, Pete. I'm I'm your big fan up here in Mooresville. And I am so excited for that interview because... I believe that if we will sit down and talk to each other, we can figure out how to get this done. And the this is the reason that I am involved and supportive of a convention of states, because to me, that is a family conversation at the kitchen table. So, uh, the, and the politicians I talk to, with some few exceptions, are very nervous about it, and I think it's because they don't trust us, and I completely trust us. Right, that is at the core of it. The people who are afraid of a convention of states, they are afraid that people will actually be able to self-determine. And exactly right, and it, right, it, it it sort of it lays bare uh, this lie that they you know that they trust the people. No, they they trust people to put them in office. They don't trust people yeah. to self-govern. Absolutely. Yeah. And one, I one think, last point. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I just am so thankful for your programming 
you know, when Rush Limbaugh died, I didn't know what was going to happen to this 12 to 3, but you ring the bell every day. Well, that's very kind of you. I do not deserve that at all, but I appreciate the compliment. <laughs> that's uh, I, I do. There you go. Bell rung. There you go. George, I appreciate the call. Thank you, sir. Thanks for the kind words of support. And he, so, George, he's my fan in Mooresville. He's the one, in case you were wondering. That's him. <laughs> Thank you, George. No, I appreciate it. Um, so on this, uh, on this idea of wokeism, Bill Maher, big opponent of it, doesn't like it. And that's why when we were talking, it just his comment reminded me of what Dennis Prager had said. And I kind of botched it when I, when I was trying to construct it, so I had to restate it to him. But it sounds like he and Dennis Prager, who is as conservative a guy, I think, as you will find, right? Uh, they are on opposite ends of the spectrum, but both agree that that leftism is not liberalism. It is not the same thing. And I don't know if Bill was as interested in in agreeing outright with liberals not voting for conservatives for the same reason, but he he does recognize there's capture there, right? That leftists have been captured to some degree, or sorry, liberals have been captured to some degree by leftism. And then there's a question Noah Rothman asks, based on a recent poll, as to whether Republicans are really growing tired of wokeism, because this is a narrative that is now being advanced. All right, more on that in a minute. First, let me tell you, the Heritage Life Skills event was fantastic. Every year, Bill and Jan Sturette organize the event to help people get educated on how to be prepared for anything. The Sturettes own Carolina Readiness Supply, 2,000 square feet of supplies and educational materials you'll need for any kind of emergency. Food, water purifiers, lighting, tools, first aid kits, instructional materials, camping and hiking supplies, because being prepared is just smart. The Heritage Life Skills event brings educators and vendors from all over to help people do just that. I was honored to be able to be a small part of it. And whether you're an experienced prepper, have no clue what you're doing, or maybe you're somewhere in between, Carolina Readiness Supply can help you in Waynesville and always at CarolinaReadiness.com. Veteran-owned Carolina Readiness Supply. Will you be ready when the lights go out? So the New York Times partners up with the Siena Poll, and they put a survey out of Republican primary voters. And the headline of this is that I'm not really sure Republicans are, you know, that interested in fighting wokeism. It asked Republican voters if they were more likely to support a candidate who focuses on defeating radical woke ideology in our schools, media and culture, or a candidate who focuses on restoring law and order in our streets and at the border. Uh Uh-huh. That's bait, people. That was bait. That is a false choice. Right? They're they're asking you, these are obviously surrogate questions. They're proxies for Trump and DeSantis, right? Those aren't the only choices. First off, there's like 700 candidates in the Republican field again. So you got, there are other candidates there. But it's also, it's not an either or with either of those two candidates, with either Trump or DeSantis. I mean, do you think that Trump is not going to fight against some of this woke stuff? I do. I think he will. Do you not think DeSantis is going to fight against the border stuff? I think he will. 
It's hardly surprising, writes Noah Rothman at uh, National Review, it's hardly surprising that Republicans gravitated toward the hypothetical candidate who devoted his energies to ensuring that voters would not be mugged, raped, or killed. Right? The candidate who prioritized keeping America's social services from becoming overtaxed by non-citizens over the one who emphasized culture war battles. So they use this to say, oh, see that? Everybody loves Trump. There, people are getting tired of DeSantis's culture war stuff. So, but in the real world, there is no tension between these two imperatives. Every Republican candidate, as far as I can tell, every one of them is committed to fighting both, right? The distinctions between the GOP's candidates are matters of degree and emphasis. The questions, this this thinly veiled proxy for Trump and DeSantis based on, you know, what seems to be or at least the media's perception of their primary pitch to the voters, right? It seems to be designed to produce analysis that indicates Republicans have turned against DeSantis's issue set merely because they are marginally more concerned with preserving their personal security than they are with the cultural grievances. And that's the exact sort of analysis that we got from all of this, which is silly, right? Because, I mean, you think about it. If you're dead, you really don't care about whether there's a drag queen story hour reading to your six-year-old, right? You're dead. If, if your family cannot leave their, their house without fear of being mugged or assaulted or something, yeah, you, you're not going to venture out to the gay pride parade, right? Or to protest the gay pride parade, right? That's not going to happen. If there's a case... For going to war with wokeness, Noah Rothman goes over the details at length. And by the way, this is National Review. Uh, Are Republicans really tiring of the wokeness war? He spends about three quarters of the piece going over the Loudoun County school case. Right. Remember this case? Of course you do. Right. This was the one where the student was assaulted by a guy, a, a kid, a classmate of hers, a boy wearing a dress. And she was assaulted in the bathroom, and the, the victim's father tries to get answers, goes down to the school, gets arrested at the school, right? Then he goes to the school board meeting demanding answers while the superintendent is up there saying, we don't have any reports of any kinds of assaults or anything like that. And then he gets, he gets thrown to the ground and arrested at the school board meeting. That case, that case illustrates how an ideological commitment to inclusivity, even at the risk of tolerating criminal deviancy, how this ideological commitment captures institutions and it puts innocent people at risk. It's hard to imagine a Republican primary voter who would say that's not a fight worth having. I'm not aware of a single one. The Loudoun County school case shows that Combating wokeness and fighting crime are not mutually exclusive. There's overlap there. A lot of it. When voters think of wokeness, it's important that they they associate it not just with Bud Light, but with the Loudoun County case. Okay? So, just like when we have the discussion about abortion... And I always try to focus people's attention on the fundamental question that actually will prompt a, a conversation and, and an examination of ideas and principles, right, and limitations. It's 
When do rights obtain? That's the question. If you find yourself in a discussion about wokeism, don't talk about Bud Light. I mean, you can. You can throw it in there, make some jokes, whatever. You know me. I, I like the comedy, too. So I will do that. It's not you, you shouldn't avoid it, but you should definitely focus on the Loudoun County case. Because these pedagogical efforts or the pedag- pedagogy, ped- uh, pedagogical just means like the method of teaching, right? The efforts that are marching through the institutions here. It gives license to violence in the name of a theory. And maybe Ron DeSantis has allowed the distinctions between these two manifestations of the same phenomenon to get blurred. And he should pick his battles better. But a fight against a belief system that will sacrifice the safety of kids in pursuit of its goals, right? that fight's a righteous one. That should be part of your wokeism argument. That kids get victimized by this. Physically so, mentally so, they are victimized by this ideology. All right, so, okay, I, all right, so I am, I am the most common blood type. That's why they want my blood. I thought O positive was the universal. That's O negative, which you don't want to be O negative because that's just it's so pessimistic. So I'm O positive, and that, that's the most common. So that's why they are always interested in my blood. I mean, honestly, I think they're kind of interested in everybody's blood, really. I've never heard of any of the the blood donation centers being like, oh, no, no, we're full on that type. You know, they're always saying, we'll take it all. So I'm O positive, and it's the most common. Uh, so thank you, Melissa, who sent uh, me the tweet saying, O negative is the universal donor type. Platelets do not require type and cross match for infusion. Wait a minute. So they've been so they've been taking double from me all this time they've been taking oh they've just been appealing to my altruism that's what's been going on dang it ab negative is the rarest so all right so there you go so see so there you go they they need ab negative they need a plus they need o negative they need o positive I don't know about the other types because there, there's isn't there A and B, I think, isn't there? I don't know. I did terrible in the high school health classes. Terrible. Could never remember any of this stuff. I'm surprised I could even remember O positive. I don't ever remember. What, I, they gave me the card, and I just make sure I bring that in every time so they can scan it because I can't. I don't know any of the questions. So, um, Emily Drabinsky. Do you do you know who this is? Have you heard of this person, Emily Drabinsky? She is the president of the American Library Association, a.k.a. the ALA, or as I like to call it, the ALA, a group that Barack Obama endorsed in July. Emily Drabinsky, president of the American Library Association, expressed surprise in a recent interview that her public identification as a Marxist has caused political backlash against her organization. I can't believe it. I'm a loud, out, and proud lesbian Marxist, and people are upset that I'm that I'm I'm the the head of the president of the American Library Association, and I'm you know making all these recommendations and program changes in order to inject the Marxism into the libraries, and people are somehow upset about this. It's so weird. She says I was excited. 
to highlight and celebrate two aspects of my identity. Okay, you being a Marxist is not your identity, okay? I, I mean, well, I guess if you would like to make it your identity, it, it can be. That's That's not... That's not like some sort of, you know, intrinsic, immutable trait that you are born with. It is not something to be celebrated as if you're in a protected class. You know, you're a Marxist. It's actually kind of repugnant. That's what Marxism is. Repugnant. Anyway, she says, I was excited to highlight and celebrate two aspects of my identity that are really important to me and are often under a lot of scrutiny. Yeah, Marxism is under a lot of scrutiny because it sucks. That's why. And anybody who comes along and like, I'm a Marxist, you're like, oh my gosh, this person is delusional and maybe just a teensy-weensy bit evil. And that's what, that's what wokeism is, folks. It is Marxism. It's just a different form of destruction. That's all. It's a different revolution, but it's all the same. It's what is the means of production? Wokeism is the production of citizens. That's coming through the institutions, coming through the schools. You're producing citizens. And so they want to control the means of production. It's just a different production assembly line. And I suspect that's what, that's what Bill Maher detects as well. As a, as as a, as a lifelong liberal, let's say. Got an email from Joseph who says, I've always enjoyed Bill Maher's show, despite finding him politically detestable. But your interview highlighted something I keep hearing about today's world. Maher said we used to disagree but could sit down and come to some agreement. If nothing else, just be agreeable. We used to, uh, but we, we used to, could, but we are too far apart now. As little as 10 years ago, the idea of a man dressed as a woman reading suggestive material to kids would be unthinkable to 99% of the people. 30 years ago, the notion of open borders was opposed by the vast majority. Gay marriage had to be imposed by judicial fiat. Now, all of these are mainstream in blue America, and they have governmental and corporate power to enforce it. We won't come together because the left and right disagree on the very fundamental idea of America. Great interview, though. I will be nice to Bill when the Civil War ends and we toss him over the wall into commie land where he belongs. <laughs> okay, well, I'm sure he'll be happy to know that. That's <laughs> um, you know, I would say, actually, that some of these things, like, Bill is not on board with, and I think there are a lot of other liberals that are not on board with. For example, this, this you know, injection of Marxism through the libraries, through school libraries and public libraries, there are a lot of people that are not on board with that. Bill Maher, or Bill Maher is a capitalist. Right? He, he says it all the time. He's, I mean, he wants higher taxes, sure. Just like a little bit of Maher. Just like, like almost pregnant. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs>